Welcome to the Hemp Empowerment Project. We are your hosts, Anthony and Nicole Lucido. Our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can benefit your life. Today we have with us Melissa Nelson. She comes from a family of four generations of family farming. In 2019, South Bend Industrial Hemp was formed by Aaron, Richard, and Melissa. They started Hemp for CBD, but now are adding grain and fiber to the farm. So Melissa, I was really interested when I was reading through um, some of your information that you were inspired to do something within the hemp industry from your husband, which is pretty similar to us because my husband's been in hemp for, or been very interested in hemp for many years and um, has inspired me. So when he kind of brought up the idea about hemp to you, what did you, I mean, you went and did some research and what did you find that um, really kind of inspired you? Yeah, so like like you said, my husband brought the idea to me. My background is crop research. And so I spend a lot of time on developmental chemicals and genetic traits and, you know, residue testing. And so I love research and developing new plants, new new products that are going to help the farming industry as a whole, especially at the commercial level. But that being said, my husband is an idea guy. He comes up with at least five ideas for something new for us to do every day. And (laughs) while I appreciate that amazing trait that I do not have, um, you kind of have to channel his ingenuity and see which ones that he's really serious about and which ones by tomorrow he's going to have a new idea to replace. (laughs) And he kept coming back to this hemp. And I said, no, Um, I was someone that was not educated on hemp. Uh, To me at that time, I thought hemp was just weed or, you know, marijuana. Uh, I had that negative stigmatism to it. And he goes, just read about it, read about it. And then, then we can talk about it. And so after about a week of this, and I said, okay, I, I will go and I will read about it. And the more I started learning about the plant, the more I started learning about the potential of what it could bring to the ag industry, especially on the farming side, the more intrigued I was. Uh, not only with the CBD, uh, I think that is very neat what it can do for a person and what it can do for hemp farmers, but really the fiber and grain side is what captured my attention because I really think that Kansas can be extremely successful in that sector and it's a great opportunity for, for farmers. So, so why, why fiber and grain? I mean, yeah, it can be Um, potential, but you know, some specifics maybe. Okay. So we're all about scalability. You know, we farm in acres. We are a large-scale commercial farm. We love our family farmers that are out here. And, you know, we're providing for America and providing the most affordable and safest food source in the world. So if you can scale it, you know, we don't have the labor force out here. We can't hand harvest CBD plants. So we have to think in terms of scalability and the machines that we are already really efficient at using and the rotational crops that we have, how can we make hemp feel or be successful within that rotation? Mm -hmm. And so I felt fiber and grain was a perfect fit for that. 
Uh, here in this part of Kansas and as you go farther west, uh, water is an issue. Um, with the aquifer replenishing uh, out here, we have specific um, acre inches that the government allots us. You cannot go over those acre inches or you will lose them the next year. So water conservation, soil conservation, uh, regenerative farming is very popular out here. And so are you having to irrigate a lot for your grain and fiber? No, um, this year we actually put on approximately six inches with the rainfall that we had. And we had less, with my data and stuff that I submit, I study the 30-year historical averages for the area where my trials are. And we were approximately two and a half inches under our 30-year historical rainfall amount. And we only had to supplement six inches for the irrigated circle that we used. And so, you know, it was significantly less water than what corn is going to requ require, soybeans and wheat. So those are our main crops out here. And are you rotating with the, the hemp, the soy, the corn, and the, the wheat? So we haven't really got far enough along yet. Uh, Kansas was first allowed to grow in 2019. Um, we followed last year in 2019, we put up a dry land 80 acre patch of hemp for fiber and grain, and we followed wheat. Uh, we learned that planting that late in the season after we harvest wheat in late June is uh, a bit unrealistic um, or, you know, it's very rain dependent, uh, especially for dry land. So it probably wasn't the best decision. I mean, we learned a lot and I'm glad we did it. But in terms of farming rotation, that's probably something that we're not going to follow because, we can't outcompete the weeds that late in the season. Palmer amaranth or pigweeds are extremely aggressive weed species. And so if you've got any moisture in that ground, those, that palmer is going to aggressively grow. Um, palmer, just for reference, can grow two inches a day with ideal conditions. Mm -hmm. So hemp competes, but it's really tough to outcompete a weed that's going to grow two inches a day. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot in a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you go by in the morning and you go by in the afternoon and you're like, Oh no, it's already. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can put like a slow-mo video on it and see it growing <laughs> at that rate. Yeah. You, you very much can. So. So you say that you don't have a large labor force out there. What kind of equipment are you using to plant and harvest the hemp for grain? So there's two different directions that you can do, and we've actually done both. The first year we planted our grain with our Case IH air seeder, so seven and a half inch row spacing, um, worked really well. It was extremely gentle on the seed. Uh, our emergence, you know, it was it worked well. Uh, another option that we did the second year is we used our Case IH early rise. Um, 20, 40 planter. So 30 inch rows, we went ahead and we've got precision planting. So we went ahead and just planted the field on 30 inch rows. And then because crop canopy and weed control is extremely critical, we moved our planter over 15 inches and decided to plant another pass because we wanted smaller row spacing. 
But one of our goals this year was to only use equipment that we already had on the farm. So instead of going out and buying a planter with 15-inch row spacing, we just used our 30-inch and used our technology and planted it twice. So a little less efficient, but we didn't have to go buy a new piece of machinery. And so in terms of planting, a drill will work or a planter, whatever you want. And then in terms of harvest, we used our Case 8010 combine, big 36-inch draper head or 36-foot draper head, cut the seed off the top, came back with a swather that is conventional for our area for hay production and swathed down our fiber crop. So nice. So it sounds all like stuff that we had. Yeah. That's was, great. You've got all this stuff on the farm that you've already, that you're using for crop production. And it sounds like you're able to use that in the, on the hemp grain side as well. That's what's going to make it successful in our area. And, you know, you know that, if you're involved in agriculture at all, your profit margins and your investment per acre, you can't afford especially half a million dollar piece of equipment just to plant or just to harvest. Um, you know, the cotton industry has that, but I don't think it'll work as well for him just because of the THC levels and the state regulations. You know, when it's time to harvest, you need to be able to harvest. And if you can't get a custom harvester here for two weeks, you know, that that will not work, um, or at least for Kansas's rules. Um, so utilizing equipment that you already have is going to make it attractive for farmers, um, and it's going to help with their cost, and it's going to help justify the cost of the machines that they have even more. Now, you plant? did you plant, um, you planted for CBD last year and grain and fiber this year. Have you learned have you learned anything new that you might apply to um, growing next year? We actually planted both, both years. So in 2000, yeah, in 2019, we had 1500 CBD plants. And then we did that 80 acre dryland patch of grain and fiber. This year we did another 1500 CBD plants uh, because we launched a CBD line um, to kind of have an outlet and fully integrate ourselves and value add to our crop. Um, and so we really hit the niche market of, you know, from our farm land to your hands, you know, very much in the process. We love having tours and having people come out and see where their products come from. It's just helping develop that relationship with the community and kind of dispel any false information about hemp or CBD. And so we're very hands-on in that approach. And so 1,500 plants again this year, and then we did 55 acres underneath an irrigated pivot. And your question on if we can utilize that for 2021's grow, yes. I mean, (laughs) you learn something every day with this crop. Uh, You know, we're very much into documentation. Um, My husband... Um, my brother-in-law and I walk the fields. Uh, we have an agronomist on staff that helps with the rest of the farm. And, you know, I, we very much value his opinion and what he thinks about this hemp as well. He's got 35 years of walking fields experience. So he has much more life experience than I do. Um, (laughs) so I love walking fields, seeing what he's seeing, um, seeing the potential disease pressure or when are we going to see insect pressure come in because we just we have no data in Kansas particularly for this area but in Kansas as a whole about what to expect 
you know, when you put up a corn plant, you know when headworms going to be there. You know, you know when the European corn borers are going to show up. With hemp, you really just don't know when those insects are going to be here. So documenting and kind of preparing for next year and when to start expecting things is really important. Awesome. Yeah. So that one is, he has 35 years experience, but we've lost so many years because of the hemp prohibition. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you doing? Are you kind of collecting this data to share with other farmers or what are you doing with it? Oh, yes. Okay. So again, my research background really comes in help. I love data and really in my world, if you didn't write it down, it didn't happen. And so I am very much into sharing what we're learning, especially with, with people that are interested in the, in the industry. There is enough room for everyone to be successful. And there is no reason the farmer down the road should experience the same hiccups that I experienced. Like, why, why go through those growing pains? Um, I don't claim to be an expert or, you know, like the big thing, you know, everyone's a master at growing hemp or an expert and all those things. Like, no, I'm going to share about our experience. I can give you information about our grow and I can suggest things to help you with your grow based upon soil type and my training and my background. Um, But at the same time, I'm going to ask you to document what's happening in your field so we can continue to grow this database Um, because your conditions are going to be different than mine. Uh, For instance, um, there was a farm that was 60 miles east of us. Their hemp reacted totally different than ours, but they get about six more inches of rain. Uh, They are in much heavier soil. We are in sandier soil with the field that we grew this year. So the growing conditions were very different. Um, It was fun exchanging information. It was fun. He was successful. We were successful. Uh, it was just a totally different way the plant reacted and they're only 60 miles east. So I'm all about sharing information. I'm all about education, educating the public, educating the farmers, and hopefully learning from other people as well. And what what avenues do you use to educate, you know, the community and other farmers about, you know, any of the stuff that you're doing, but especially in re- regards to what you're learning about hemp? That's been the funnest part for me. Um, (laughs) We have a great Facebook following. Uh, We're up to like um, 1,500 people that are very active on our page. Uh, I love getting on there live and just having people ask questions about what we're doing. You know, through the growing season, every Friday I pop on and give an update about what the plants are looking like, um, what we're seeing for the week, maybe some challenges or uh wins that we had for the week in our grow. Um, I think we're so successful in our Facebook group because we're very genuine. You know, the bad weeks are the bad weeks. You're going to have those. Um, We're very open. And so people really enjoy following that journey with us. And the first Tuesday of the month, we get on Eagle Radio, our local radio station that broadcasts throughout Kansas uh, and do an Ask the Expert. And it's a 30-minute segment. We pick a hemp topic that day. And people can call in if they have questions. Again, we go live on our Facebook page. Um, people watch us on the radio and, and listen to us on the radio and just continue to educate themselves. And then my favorite part that we do is um, we have an open house. So in July, 
we had a big, um, we had a big benefit meal cause we love, it was with the farm bureau, um, and the kids for ag. And so it's this local organization. They go out, they have a kids for ag day. They invite kids out to the farm just to help educate about farming. And because even in a rural community, so many people are so removed from their food source. They just don't know where that's coming from. So we had a benefit meal for them. And then we had local hemp vendors like throughout the state, uh, like the nurses for cannabis, they came out and did, they had a booth. Uh, we had local like CBD soap and things like that. So little vendors for people to check out. And then we had educational stations throughout our CBD grow. And so it was kind of like walking through a museum, you know, they could learn about it. They could walk around. We had Richard, um, Steve, our agronomist, uh, Aaron and I around to answer questions. And then the best part was, is we actually had a bus, a school bus, and it was called the Cannabis Caravan because our fiber field is a few miles down the road. So everybody loaded on the bus uh, every 30 minutes. They would go down to the fiber field. There was an educational station down there, and they got to just see a totally different grow compared to a CBD grow. You know, just it's it's completely different. And so having people come out and be so interested in that was amazing. Um, they, they actually asked us to do it again. So we had a fall field day uh, when we were harvesting. People could come out, see and learn about our fall harvest. And so next July, we'll have another annual open house where people can come out and see what we're doing. That's my favorite part. I love Educating, I mean, we do public speaking events uh, at the local, state, and national level. Um, it's just been really fun getting to talk to people. That's that's amazing that you're bringing so many people in the community to your farm to really just educate. And I mean, I think if I were in your position, I think that would be my most favorite part of it too. And then, I mean, how do you, how did the kids react to, to seeing all of um at learning about everything on the farm, like our kids, or, or your kids, kid, your kids, <laughs> or any of the kids that come during your your harvest festivals that you have. Oh, it's awesome! We've had the college come out, the high school mm-hmm. ag program comes out. Um, it's neat to see them introduced to you know such a new idea. Um, Aaron's got two kids, seventeen and fourteen. And they're, they're so funny because they wear like their South Bend industrial hemp shirts to school and things like that. And we have a shirt that says hemp and ain't easy. And their friends just think they're so cool because they have hemp <laughs> shirts on. And it's just, it's fun to see the opportunity that's there. It's fun to see these kids see potential job opportunities down the road and how they can be involved. And it's fun to see them learn about the potential of what like the fiber and the herd can create and where they could potentially see themselves in the hemp industry and not a farming role. You know, it's, it just opens up so many doors. That's awesome. So with all this education and the kids getting involved, are you finding that they're excited to farm hemp or, or just learn about different job opportunities or job opportunities, you know, our kids are kind of still learning about where they're at in life. Um, Aaron's son, that's 17, he is very interested in golf. And so he's kind of leaning towards the turf management 
Um, he appreciates the farm. Not sure if he'll come back to it. Um, Aaron's daughter, she's 14. She loves working alongside me on my research company. So, you know, that is a potential avenue for her and the farm. Uh, Richard's got a daughter and a son as well. Um, do I know who's going to come back and take over the farm? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you know, ask them every week and you're going to get a different answer. So <laughs> yeah, they're teenagers, right? <laughs> they're, yes. They change their mind quite often. So, we'll, you know, we'll see where that develops and, and what they, what they find interest in and where they end up. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Now, are, are you finding that other farmers are receptive to, to planting hemp? around your area that's been really exciting yes um i don't know how much you know about other crops but wheat returns are minimal um you really there's not a huge profit margin there milo actually ended up being pretty good because prices rose within the last month but corn even the profit margin is shrinking and farmers are survivors. That is what we do. You don't make it to the next generation or four generations like Aaron and Richard are without being having some ingenuity, without being adaptable and, and changing to the farming industry and circumstances. And bottom line is, if the numbers work, farmers are interested. Nice. So we've had lots of interest from farmers now that we have an idea of the fertilizer costs, you know, what, what optimizes this plant growth? How much nitrogen do you need? So they can start budgeting and plugging the numbers. So then we ran into a hurdle of, well, they wanted to know where, where do we take it? You know, because no farmer is going to put it in the ground if they don't have a place to take it. And they understand that hemp is a unique beast and that you're not going to take it to the co-op and get paid right away you know um so i think that is why it's really blossomed when we've talked about opening this fiber processing facility that we want to open here in great bend farmers ears perked up they've got a place to take their crop now they've got a trustworthy source um because one we're local you know we're very established in this area Kansas kind of got burned with some companies that came in and saw the big bucks early on, did a lot of promising, took a lot of money, and then left. Well, we're not going anywhere. This is where our life is. Um, so that gives an extra level of security to people that are interested in working with us because they know where they know where to find us. You know, we're not going anywhere. So now, tell me more. So the farmer grows the hemp for grain or for fiber then are you saying that you're getting a, um, that you're going to start processing? I mean, how big is this processing plant going to be and how much are you going to be able to process? Our goal is to be able to, we can easily accommodate 3000 acres next year. That is our goal. Um, and that is conservative. We, we very much would rather, under promise and over deliver. If that makes sense, we, we don't want to set any, we don't want to set anybody up for failure. And we understand that there are fiber bales that are currently sitting out there that are, that can be processed. So we're not worried about not having a supply. Um, 
you know, we want to, we want to help farmers around here succeed. And when you look at, and you crunch the numbers, the closer you are to your end facility, the better profit margins you're going to be. So if we can get farmers around here, because we as farmers, we could grow a large chunk of that, but we don't want to because we want our neighbor down the road to grow some and we want the next neighbor to grow some and we want the guy down the road to grow some more because then we can all be successful. And that's really what we see this as a community driven project. We really want, we really believe in community and our, our local area. I love, I love that so much. I mean, I, I really think so. I think so many people have, you know, strayed so far from their roots and from family and from community that, you know, true happiness is when we're all working together, right? At least that's what I feel. And when we're all sharing in the profits or the successes or whatever it might be. So I think that that's such an amazing part. Oh, and you know, I grew up in a small community. Mm -hmm. Aaron grew up in this community. Richard grew up in this community. His, his mom's still here. Like we have such deep roots in our community and we see the support, you know, within the FFA chapter and the 4-H programs and the type of people small communities produce are amazing people. Like I'm a little biased because I'm from a small community, (laughs) but, um, you know, your, your work ethic, your discipline, like there's something that's just special about growing up in a small community. Um, and so, and so we really are, are proud of our roots and we want to give back to communities that give back to us. So. That's amazing. You know, I, I want to go back to, you know, your new processing facility that you are starting you know, on our journey with hemp, we're trying to discover what it is we want to do. I mean, we're not farmers. We've contemplated farming, but we know it is definitely hard work. So I'm not saying we're going to do that, but we're looking at it. But we've looked at, you know, starting a processing plant and looking at the different pieces of equipment. And it's, I mean, there's so much out there. I mean, you could buy this million dollar piece of equipment or this $10,000 piece of equipment. So share with us what kind of equipment you bought. And, you know, you don't have to give us specific numbers, but you know, how did that investment, you know, make you feel and how did that work out for this new processing venture you're going on? Yeah, that's (laughs) a big question. Um, And how we feel, I'm pretty sure I start sweating every time I'm talking about it because (laughs) (laughs) no, it's okay. It's a big risk, but at the same time, there's big reward, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's so much more than financial. And, you know, it's, it's amazing that you're looking at where you can fit in within the industry. I actually just had a talk the other night with a guy that called and he said, I'm not sure where, where I want to be in the industry. He's like, but I know I want to be involved. And so we were talking about it and it's like, okay, if you're not set up to farm, go look and see how you can connect, you know, in the grain side or with the USDA and testing there, or maybe you have a solution to an easy problem um, or a solution to a problem and you can create a product from the herd or whatever. You know, there's so many areas that people can be successful and create their area. Um, You know, it's so much more than just farming or just manufacturing. Um, And in terms of equipment, you know, we're approaching this just like we farm, or we approach everything that we do on the farm. We mitigate risk. 
we only take on what we can afford to, to lose. Um, that's actually kind of one of my favorite things when people come to us. Cause they're like, how much money can I make? And when I farm this hemp and I'm like, how much money can you lose? Like if everything goes wrong and your crop goes hot or, you know, if, if everything goes wrong and you have to disc it under, can you still keep your doors open? That's, that's where you start. And so that's very much how we're approaching this processing facility, uh, very much how we approach the projections for what we think that this facility can do. I would love to blow those numbers out of the water, mm-hmm. but we are just conservative by nature because we, and we've got the drive to be really successful. So I'm not scared of the numbers that we're, we're projecting. And, and I know with a little bit of sweat equity, we can make this happen. So, and in terms of equipment, we are working with Formation Ag and their 660 decorticator. Uh, We really love the people. Um, One thing that we have learned in this journey is that if you continue to surround yourself with people on the same mission as you, with the same vision, it is critical to your success. You know, you can't do this on your own. This is a big project and it's going to take everybody to move this hemp industry forward. Um, So we just, we find good people and we try to put them in our circle or be in their circle or create some type of working relationship. And so we can, we can keep heading in the right direction. Oh, that's fantastic. It's a formation act. They've been doing a lot with, with uh, equipment on farms for all different kinds of crops for many years, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then they actually opened a, I don't know if you call it a branch or a separate entity that focuses just on hemp production. So I know that they've got lots of equipment that helps with harvest. Um, I know that they've got lots of processing equipment that they're working on as well. Um, we work with Corbett and Randy and they are just phenomenal people and have really been instrumental in the process of just helping educate us, helping set ourselves up for success. And it's just, it's a great relationship that we're creating. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, this next year we'll be traveling the United States. So we're going to add you to our, uh, to our, (laughs) to, to what, to our map. So we can stop by and check you out if that's all right with you. Oh, heck yes. More the merrier. So awesome. Is there any land for sale out in your area? Are you finding that a lot? (laughs) Well, somebody somebody that that might be interested in farming, not, not per se myself, but if there's Mm. a listener out there, it's like, you know, I really want to farm and I want to find a farm that has equipment. Is that available? Yes, there is land available. Um, and they can reach out to me and I can hook you up with a great real estate guy that can, he kind of manages all of most of the farm ground in this area that's for sale. There's actually a quarter right down the road from us. So all you got to do is buy the land and we can custom farm it for you. But um, <laughs> nice. there's my plug for custom farming. Um, <laughs> no, there's lots of opportunities here and irrigated and dry land. Okay. So I'm a newbie. I, I got to Kansas. I buy myself a piece of property and you say custom farming. What does, what does that mean? <laughs> so there's a lot of people that have ground in 
in Kansas or and really all over, but they just own the ground. They don't want to farm. They just want to be landowners. So then they reach out to farmers in the area, people like us that have the equipment and we're already farming. And they say, hey, can you farm my 80 acres or 110 or however many acres they have? And so then we, there's two options. You can get paid off of crop shares. So at the end of the season, you split based upon your production of bushels per acre, or you can just do a flat rental fee, uh, depending on the year, it's going to depend on the rate and whether it's irrigated or dry land, but you just pay the landowner X amount of dollars per acre. And then that's called a cash rent. So thanks. Cool. Yeah, so if, yeah. Uh, you're, if anybody out there that's listening is interested in farming. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Everybody should farm. No, not really. But it, I mean, it is the best. It's an awesome lifestyle. We absolutely love what we do. Um, it is a challenge every season. There is no two years that are the same. Mother Nature does a great job of testing <laughs> everything that you've planned and you think you're going to do. She She really loves to alter that but it's rewarding we absolutely more love well-rounded what we do individual, right yeah no it's a character builder that's like <laughs> in, in 2019 we started planting and then it rained for 30 days straight you know that was insane wow. um that was a challenge for him that was a lot of people struggled in 2019 because of such wet conditions um we just finished a harvest where we had 50 days without rain that is really unheard of in our area um, and so harvest went extremely quick because we had no rain delays. Um, you just, you never know. Yeah. You just never know. Yep. That's crazy. Well, I know when I'm outside, we have ducks and chickens here and we're only on an acre, but I sit out there and I feed them and they eat the, all the worms out of my hands. And I just, it's just, it's just peaceful, you know, being out and working with your hands and getting dirty. And I think it's wonderful. That's so, what I love about the research side, you know, because it's so hands-on. Um, yeah. I do small plot research and it's just, it's fun to see. It's fun to do. That's so interesting to hear about for sure, because, you know, I like research myself, but I'm not into farming research. So I'm sure you see all kinds of different trends and changes throughout time that really help shape what you're going to do the next year. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because sometimes you'll get, like I love, they're called efficacy trials and it's new products and new formulations and they compare it to the commercial standard that's out there now. And sometimes it's really exciting because you're like, yes, new products are coming down the pipeline. And then other times you're like, wow, there is nothing that is working at the moment or, you know, (laughs) that is beating the commercial standard. So it's, 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 it's different. Every trial is so different. That's amazing. So, Melissa, right before we uh, finish up here, I just wanted to ask if money was not an issue, what business would you start in the cannabis industry? Mm. If money wasn't an issue, honestly, I would get a, and I know these are like starting to pop up and stuff, but I would get a co-op. It would be, you know, we are farmers. We are for farmers. If money wasn't an issue, I would 
go ahead and invest in the farmers in our area. I would create a co-op so they could bring their stuff in and it would be just like the corn or Milo or any other crop that you see uh, and just kind of give that hemp industry that big boost into the co-op type space. I think it would be really well received, but that's a big project. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> so are there, are there co-ops for like corn and wheat in these other crops that you're growing? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you drive down the road here in 30 or in Kansas, you know, every 15 to 30 miles, you see co-op elevators, you see grain elevators. Um, you know, the farthest that we truck any of our, um, grain from the field is nine miles. So going there, offloading, you know, we've got on on farm storage as well, but the co-op, can give you a price, can get you paid that day. It just helps with cash flow. Um, you've got, you know, futures and contracts that you can set in place. Uh, it just, it gives you more options as a farmer. It gives you security that you're growing um, and having a place to go with your product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really important. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing. Can you share with our listener where you can be found? Yes. So we are located in Great Bend, Kansas. Uh, if you're ever in the area, reach out. Uh, SouthBendIndustrialHemp.com is a great place to find our contact information. We are active on Facebook, South Bend Industrial Hemp, or you can find us on Instagram at South Bend Hemp. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing all this information on farming. And if you are interested in farming, please contact Melissa. She can get you set up at the land and the (laughs) custom farming. So we appreciate our listeners for tuning in to the Hemp Empowerment Project, where our goal is to share the amazing benefits of the hemp industry and how it can change your life. Please subscribe to this podcast so you're always in the know.